Bibles out and open to Ephesians chapter 4. You find page 1081. I'll be saying that for a while, 1081. 1081. We're, we're working our way through this series. We are family. Uh, and we're just really putting the brakes on right here at this place. I feel like God has a lot to say to me. These last two weeks just been excruciatingly wonderful. Preparing to share with you. So as the great surgeon does surgery on me, now it's your turn. Sometimes I feel a little more uh, healed than other times. This morning, I feel like the person who's just getting wheeled out of the operating room. So we might have to walk a little bit together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment that you have sovereignly and providentially ordained for us. What a God you are. What a word you have given us. May we see with supernatural eyes your love for us this morning through your word. Holy Spirit, break down every barrier, create in us a desire to be more like you, Jesus. And we'll give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So welcome those of you that are joining us online. And uh, thank God for the scripture. So we started talking last week, or really two weeks ago, about this issue of the new self and the old self. And how... When we become a child of God at the moment of salvation, we have two selves, and we're to put off the old self. That's the, the person we were before Christ that only knows life apart from God, and put on the new self, which the Bible says in verse 24 of Ephesians 4, is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so we talked last week about how as saved people, we live in this tension. And so let's move back into the tension and see the next step that the Lord's going to lay out for us. Ephesians 4, let's begin in verse 21 so we have context. The Bible says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus... Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 
So I would circle the word corrupt in verse 22, and I would circle the word created in verse 24, and I would draw a line like a double arrow so that whenever I came back across this passage, I would remember that old self, new self is this exchange between the corrupt and the created. Now, we should just let that settle for a second. That what God is inviting us to do, we, we came to the, the place where we, we had to reconcile with the fact that our sin was so grievous, that our penalty was so great, that our debt was so expansive, that the, the only way that it could be dealt with, the only way that we could be reconciled to a, a holy God would be through the death of His Son, and that blood being applied to our life. So we ought to have no problem understanding the vastness of our corruption. And God's inviting us to put on the new self, which is, look at this, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You know what this means? This is the audacious claim of Christianity. You can change. You can change. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how bleak the situation may be, the Bible is inviting you into this mystery that you can change. And believe me, you need to know that this morning before we dive off into this conversation. That every person in this room can change. Nobody in this room is unchangeable. Verse 25. So since you can change, therefore, last week, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Stop hiding Stop hiding behind lies. Whenever we say a lie, we live a lie. That's what we heard last week. Now verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Now, next week, we'll deal with do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. But we're going to do good if we can just get through be angry and do not sin this morning. Now, we, last week, you've had a week to meditate, ponder, and, and deepen your understanding of putting off falsehood, right? So you all got that nailed down, so, right? Okay, we're about to find out. How many of you would say that you have anger issues? Raise your hand. Come on, putting off falsehood. Look at here. Maybe we'll substitute next week for a sermon on denial. <laughs> yeah. Do you get angry when you're hungry? Well, you didn't raise your hand, liars. 
You get angry when, you're, when you lack sleep? Hmm. What about driving? You're not even charismatic and you have your own prayer language in traffic. Some of you even have sign language. A lady showed me how tall one of her fingers was a couple weeks ago. Why are you laughing? And I think she goes to this church. I said, I think she just flipped the bird to her pastor. Or maybe she used to go to this church. And she's just now realizing that was me. Oh, boy. There's so many daily things that can make us angry. Here's the thing. I'm not, I'm, I don't have an anger problem. I don't get angry about anything. I'm the most even-keeled, low, just... I mean, there's not a shred, not even a speck of anything in me that would get angry. Huh. Have I been beat up this week? Now, some of us have anger over struggles that we face daily some some people have anger over things you that have been living inside of you for a long time some of you feel very justified in your anger because there was a season of your life that was robbed taken away from you or a precious relationship or an opportunity and you're angry about that and maybe you still have to deal with the person who did that and that makes you angry or maybe they've passed away and you're mad about that well the bible doesn't say what we think it says about anger the bible doesn't say that anger is a sin that's not what the bible says the bible doesn't say that the person who puts on the new self doesn't get angry it doesn't say that the problem's not that we get angry. The problem is that we get angry the wrong way for the wrong reasons. So we need to understand that the problem is not anger. The problem is misdirected anger. See, a lot of people believe that the best response in any situation is to not get angry. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Actually, the Bible teaches that wise people get angry. Look, Proverbs 14, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Proverbs 16, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You know, people that are slow to anger are still angry. It's still anger. 
The picture is not a person who completely refrains from anger. That's not the picture God wants us to see. He wants us to see a picture of a person who's slow to anger. Who's angry, but angry about the right things in the right way. So what in the world is going on when Paul says, Be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, and do not sin. What he's saying is, be angry the right way. See, newsflash. Contrary to what you hear on K-Love, God is angry. He's angry right now. He's angry every second that preceded right now. And he's angry every second going forward. And you say, wait, what? Oh, yes. Psalm 7 verse 11. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Every day. Oh, Pastor Tony, that's Old Testament. It's still the Word of God, but just to humor you. What about Romans chapter 1? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So long as there's ungodliness and unrighteousness, God's angry. He's angry. And you say, but well, what about 1 John 4? God is love. Yes, God is love. Remember when Moses asked to see God's glory on the mountain? And remember how that went? God explained to Moses, you can't see my glory because it'll kill you. But Moses persisted, so God said, okay, get behind the cleft of this rock, and I'm going to let my glory pass before you. And we get all hung up because of the flannel graphs and all the ideas we have in our head. We get all hung up about the whole point of his glory passed and Moses' face was glowing and all that's amazing and, and wonderful. But we missed the core thing that happened. As God passed, what was the question? Moses wanted to see his glory. And so God said, you can't, but get behind the rock and I'll show you. And then as God passed, what did God do? He said to Moses, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He wanted to see his glory and God said, here's my glory. Here's my glory. I'm slow to anger and filled with love. So here's what I want you to understand. God is the most loving and most angry person in the universe. God's anger is never sinful. It's always righteous. His anger is a is always in opposition to evil. It's his indignation against everything that opposes his character and rebels against his will. God's way, God's way is the right way in every way. 
And so sometimes that way is angry and sometimes that way is loving. And those two things coexist perfectly within the character and nature of God. See, when we start to understand the anger of God, it should inspire in us worship. That's what it should do. That's what I hope this time we spend together this morning does. Because think about it. Do we want a passive God who has a ho-hum attitude about unrighteousness? Well, no. You, you don't want a God that doesn't care about evil. But our hearts should be filled with thankfulness that we don't have to choose between God's anger and God's love. Listen. God's love is not driven out by his anger, but his anger is driven by his love. That's important to understand. Don't think of God through the picture of the anger you saw in your parents or in your spouse or in yourself. No. God's love's not driven out by his anger. Every drop of anger in God is driven by his love. So what does this mean? Well, here's what this means. Stay with me. Think about this. This means some of you are sinning in your anger. Maybe most of us are sinning in our anger. But it also means that most of us are sinning because we don't get angry. There's injustice all around you. You see things that break the heart of God and you just keep on going. Oh, you're angry about things, but you're not angry about what God's angry about. You're angry about what you're angry about. See, how do I know? How do I tell the difference? Well, we have to ask some questions. We have to ask, first of all, well, what is anger? If we don't know what anger is, then we can't figure out what's going on. And where does it come from? We have to understand that anger doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes from somewhere. Anger is our response to whatever endangers something we love. That's what anger is. So what really, if you really start to study what the Bible has to say, you find out that anger in its purest form is a form of love. Anger is love in action to deal with a threat against someone or something that we truly care about. But what do we get angry about? 
I mean, there are things worthy of getting angry about. Maybe, maybe things like, think about things that, well, I mean, maybe you get angry because the delivery driver drives too fast in your neighborhood and your kids are out there playing. And so you get angry about that because you feel like he's endangering your kids. Well, maybe we should get angry about that. What about the fact that there's over 4 million Sudanese refugees who have had to flee their homes in South Sudan and they have nowhere to go? Are you angry about that? Do you even care about that? It's more things like we're angry because we've been treated unfairly or we feel powerless to do anything about it. We're angry because we feel threatened or attacked. We're angry because people are not respect, respecting our authority or our feelings or our property. Maybe we're angry because we're being interrupted when we're trying to achieve a goal. We're angry under the pressure of daily stress like paying bills or rush hour traffic or unruly children. The question is, what do you do with your anger? Everyone came in here this morning with some anger in their heart. And your anger is, is telling you something. Your anger wants you to do something with it. That's the thing about anger. Anger's not neutral. Anger has a very, very strong opinion. And it's devoted to making sure that you respond accordingly to it. So what is it telling you to do? Because what you do with your anger will reveal what kind of anger it is. See, there's two choices when it comes to anger. We either use anger as a tool or a weapon. One or the other. And you know the difference because you know by what the anger is causing you to do. See, when I'm angry about something that threatens my love for God, when you're angry, you know this to be true. If you've ever been angry about something that threatens your love for God, what that anger does is it, it's a tool for you to bring change that will glorify God. You want to address something that will so that God gets glory. But more often than not, we're angry about something that threatens my love for me. And that anger is a weapon used to hurt me and others. Let's look at a couple simple examples that you're familiar with. 
You think about anger in God, the first thing people think about is Jesus cleansing the temple in John chapter 2. Why did Jesus cleanse the temple? See, in other words, what did the anger in Jesus compel him to do? And that will, that will show us what it is. See, the money changers were extorting money from impoverished people, downtrodden people made in the image of God that Jesus loved. And that made him angry. But what really made him angry was the fact that what they were doing was defaming the name of God. And so when you look at what he said, he said, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Was it about him or was it about God? He didn't say, what do you think you're doing? How do you think this makes me feel? No, it wasn't about him. It was about the Father. He made a whip and used it as a tool to cleanse the temple. It wasn't a weapon to hurt people, it was a tool to drive the animals and the people out of the temple because it was defaming the name of his father. See, showing the world a wrong picture of God should always make a Christian angry. But does it? See, in that anger that ought to be there, should press us to show the right picture of God. See, a few years ago, we corporately got really angry at the fact that there were hundreds of children that didn't have families. I got really angry about that. And it was a tool that I used in my heart to make a difference for the glory of God. Not a weapon. See, some of you didn't get angry about that at all. It just went in one ear and out the other. And that doesn't mean that every single one of us should have got angry... And adopted children. But here's what it does mean. If you, you should have got angry about that. And that anger should have caused you to do something. Support Rescue 100. Or do whatever you can do to make sure that adoptive families have the things that they need. Advocate. Do something. But if you did nothing, it's because you weren't angry and you should have been. See? There's lots of things in our world today that ought to make us angry. But if our anger is the right anger, we'll do something that will cause God to get glory. See, there are times when anger is not only a justifiable response, but get this, 
it's the most biblical and Christ-like response. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where that is so rare. Most of our anger comes the other way. See, most of the anger that came into this place, most of the anger that comes into my heart is not anger because I love God so much. It's anger because I love something else more than I should. And it's almost always ourselves. You you think about people who freak out when their kids are threatened or mistreated. Why do you freak out? Do you freak out because you have this genuine, healthy love for your kids? No. You freak out because you're finding your identity in your kids. You've lost sight of the fact that your kids live in a broken, sinful, dark world. Your job is to train them to walk through disappointment, hurt, and pain. But because you've made your children an idol, you devote your life to protecting them from everything and they grow up and live in your basement and wear pajamas and play video games. That's the problem. Not only should you have gotten out of the way when they were struggling and guided them through it with wisdom, but sometimes you ought to use your own foot to kick them in the rear end. But let someone say something out of character to your children and you are indignant. It's the subtle shift of the heart that turns God's blessings into an idol. That's what it is. We find ourselves being angry about being neglected. Forgotten, forsaken, wounded, hurt, not heard. The problem might be that we love ourselves too much. We're angry because we were treated unfairly. We're angry because we were rejected. We're angry because we suffered. Because we were inconvenienced. Because we are in a hurry. See, if what we're looking to for our significance and security is people's approval or a good reputation or status or something like that, then when anything gets between us and the thing we long to have, we get angry. We find ourselves getting snubbed on social media or being cut off in traffic or Our work is unrecognized or our feelings are unappreciated by our spouse. 
The problem might be that you love yourself too much. See, maybe, I know what some of you are thinking. So let me just jump up in your head for a second. Maybe sin was committed. And it was bad. And it was painful. And it hurt. And that's why you're angry. Okay. Who was that sin committed against? Hmm? Who was it committed against? Yes, it happened. Yes, it's unfortunate. It's terrible. It's painful. It's hurtful. It, it's bad in every way. But it's over, it's done, and you can't go back in time and undo it. So ask yourself, angry person, what is it that I'm loving so much right now that my heart cannot stop feeling angry? Why are you, why can you not stop feeling anger towards your spouse? And you have spent years convincing yourself that it's all because of them. And it's not at all because of them. It's because of you. Unless the very first thing I said this morning is untrue. Is the audacious claim of the gospel untrue? Oh, so what you're saying is, I don't have to be angry. That's what I'm saying. What is it you're loving so much that you can't stop being angry? Are you loving God? Well, if you are, if you're so angry at someone's grievous, horrible sin against you, you perceive. If that anger is born out of your love for God, then use it as a tool to glorify Him. But are you loving anything more than God? Then realize that your anger has become a weapon that's hurting you and everyone around you. So you have to ask, am I angry for a self-centered reason or a God-centered reason? We've always been angry. As soon as sin entered the world, anger flooded the world the very first siblings, Cain and Abel, there was a murder out of anger. And if you think about that story, you think about God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but not Cain's. Cain got angry. Why did Cain get angry? Was Cain's anger God-centered? No, Cain was jealous of his brother. His anger was self-centered. It's interesting. 
Cain wasn't angry because he offered God less than his best. Was he? No. He was angry that his brother offered God something better. Am I angry because of something about me? Or is it something about God? What what are you angry about? Am I being mistreated? Am I being disrespected? Am I, is my motive self-centered? Listen, anger motivated by self is sinful, period, all the time, every time, no matter what, always. Now, again, we'll finish dealing with this next week. I can't, I can't button up all the places. Or we'll be in here for three hours. But just remember now, last week, we put off falsehood. And and what did we do at the end of the service? We said we do that through confession and repentance. And there's no doubt some of you in here. Had someone confess something to you or repent about something that, that you already know about? And you're angry about that. You're angry about what they did. The hurt is there, it's real. The hurt that is there is understandable. Listen, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be hurt. That's not what I'm saying. I understand that you're hurt. It's the anger that's the problem. You can't get over being angry about how this person has hurt you. Think about this. You can't get over being angry about how this person has hurt you. But why aren't you angry about how you have hurt Jesus? Hmm? Why aren't you angry about how this terrible thing has hurt Jesus and maybe defamed the Lord? Why aren't you angry about that? You see, because if you were angry about that, you'd respond differently. But you've convinced yourself that their sin is worse than yours. You know how dangerous that is? If you were upset about how it had hurt Jesus or defamed him, then you would use your anger to bring him glory. I'll promise you this. You can't paint a picture of a scenario that I haven't heard, and you can't paint a picture of a scenario. You can't experience something in this life. Be angry about it and not glorify God through it.
There's always a way. Unless you're just angry because you love yourself too much. If your anger is genuinely about how God feels, then there's always, that will always lead you to a place that brings glory to God. But you see, the way you know it's self-centered is because all you want to do is be miserable and make that person miserable. You can't get over it. You're so justified in it. It's a weapon. And you know what you've done? You've responded to someone else's sin by joining them in your own sin. And the scariest thing to me is that there's probably some of you in here that the person who sinned repented and turned to God and you're still angry. So what do I do? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to understand we don't have an anger problem. We have a love problem. Because if you try telling yourself to stop being angry, well, you've probably already done that, and that's not going to work, and that's never going to work. Because you don't have the capacity is what the gospel is always going to teach us, and that's what the book of Ephesians has been teaching us. That's never going to work. You have a love problem. So how do we straighten out a love problem? What did God say the first half of the book of Ephesians is this description of what the Christian life is. It's peering out a window for the first time and realizing this vast reality that we were before blind to that then enables us to discover who we really are and what this world really is and who God really is. But then at the end of chapter 3, the the book changes and we go from what the gospel is to how to live it. But what's the last thing God says at the end of chapter 3 before we get to practical application? What's the last thing he wants lingering in our mind? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Does that sound familiar? I didn't know Colby was going to read this this morning. The Holy Spirit knew. And it was for you. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know what the Bible's telling us? Before we get to dealing with this issue of anger, we have to know God loves you enough to get you through this. His love is enough for you to let it go. You don't have to defend yourself any longer. He will take care of you. His love is enough that you don't have to be hurt by anger anymore. See, it's the audacious claim of Christianity. He loves me enough that I can let it go. I can let it go. You know why you can't stop being angry? It's because you don't believe that God loves you enough to defend you, to protect you, to take care of you, to restore you, to heal you, to fix you. If you know the depths and the riches of the way he loves you, you'll stop being angry. Because you'll realize he's a righteous judge. And regardless of what happens here on this earth, His indignation, his wrath will be executed one way or the other. It's either going to be on his beloved son for whom he was so angry at on the cross that he turned his back to him. Our sin made God so angry at his son that he couldn't look at him. My sin did that. Or it's going to be executed on you. One or the other. He loves you enough. You can let it go. Let's stand and bow our heads.